Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, and I have a fantastic interview for you today. I'm, I'm literally so excited because as I'm recording the interview, it's the day before Independence Day, so there's the time frame, and this is my last call, and I was only going to do this for uh, this very special friend, Carmen Torres, and I'm going to tell you about her. She is the owner and chief specialist for a company that she created called My HR Specialist. Carmen's extensive experience in the HR field stretches back over 20 years. In this time, she has established a reputation for her ability to help create equitable, safe, and collaborative workplace environments for countless small to mid-sized businesses and nonprofit organizations. Throughout her career, she has been sought out as a trusted advisor for her expertise in building HR departments that allow both employees and employers to be productive and flourish. Her approach is comprehensive and holistic. Carmen is keenly aware of the complexities of managing human beings and the crucial importance of funding or finding, no, the importance of high functioning, I told you it was late in the day, HR department for the thriving success of a company. So that's kind of the official bio. I will tell you, this is one very, very cool person. Carmen knows, she knows HR and don't be turning off like thinking HR is boring. You, you better know your HR stuff because so many entrepreneurs really get into sticky wickets and the niche that she has created for herself. It's like, I don't even know anybody else in this field. Like most other people I, I interview, there's like dozens of people. I don't know anybody else that does this. So Carmen works with entrepreneurs and small business owners and what we would call um, emerging entrepreneurs. So companies that may be doing, you know, um, 2 million, 5 million, whatever, they have a small staff, but it's not a big enough company where they have a, you know, an 80 to a hundred thousand dollar a year, HR person and she fits that bill. I've worked with her. I've recommended her to all the people in my mastermind. So I think that's a pretty good intro. How you doing, Carmen? Great, Jim. Wow, Jim, thank you so much for that introduction. I love that you know the work that I do. And um, so thank you so much for that. It's so interesting. When I first met you, which is a long time, we've known each other for at least what, five or six years, maybe longer. About, yeah, five or six years. Yeah, and I was thinking that um, HR, I mean, boy, there's a ho-hum subject, right? But yeah, boring. I know, <laughs> but then when I started learning about how many companies you, I mean, you work with home-based businesses. I know you work with bakeries and HVAC, all these different companies, large, small, and everything in between, because you focus on the side of business, especially business growth, that most small business owners just don't even want to deal with. Now, you, you are based in California, which is its own unique, I mean, it might as well just be its own country with the laws and things that you, you have there. But I know you also work with entrepreneurs all over the country. So I think the first thing I want to ask you, just to, before we dive into the HR stuff, I, I like really finding out about people's background. And while I know you pretty darn well, for the, for the people who might be listening to uh, and meeting you for the first time, are you a first-generation entrepreneur, Carmen, or did you 
have a parent or grandparent as a role model? I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, my mother <clears throat> has always been, you know, doing business on her own. And I remember being really young and she was just selling clothes or selling shoes, selling jewelry. So there was always something that she was doing. And then um, my father also comes from a family of entrepreneurs. His dad was a, um, he sold produce um, in Mexico. And this was just a huge, huge um, business that, you know, a lot of people in Mexico um, run and they were very successful with it. Um, and today my mom, you know, she's 74 years old and she is an independent Mary Kay director and distributor. And so she is still running her own little business, doing well. And I have to say, if I'm an entrepreneur, business owner, it is definitely because of my mother. Oh, that's so cool. And, um, you know, I know uh, you're, you're, you're really stepping up at a, at a critical time, not only for your own life, but your business. And you're, you're really, uh, in some ways, taking care of your parents, which I, I can't tell you how much I admire and respect you for doing that. I mean, we yes. wouldn't, we wouldn't be you, here without our parents, right? So, um, it's amazing what we can do for our parents. And I think, you know, that, that being a, being in the position that I am today, I mean, I was able to take almost, um, you know, almost six months off last year and early into this year to be available to my parents. And I get to do that. You know, it, it didn't feel heavy. It was something that I really enjoyed. And, um, you know, so it's, it's all because of the way we plan our businesses and we make sure that things are going to be able to happen when we're not going to be physically available. So, um, it, you know, it's a great thing to be able to do that. It's really hard to, uh, to build your dream business. And, again, I think um, as far as what you're doing for your parents, that shows, you know, the integrity that you have. Let's, let's dive in a little bit to um, the HR how did you like get immersed in HR? Because I mean, I think HR changes more than even accounting. Like every year they come out with some new <laughs> rules, but HR I think changes even more. I don't, do you agree with that or not? Yes, it does. I can tell you, I started HR, you know, kind of um, diving into HR a little bit back in the 90s. So I'm dating myself a little bit, but again, that also shows the experience that I have and the transitions that I've seen throughout the years, right? So I think that's a plus. So, um, you know, back in the 90s, I mean, literally, if you wanted to terminate someone, I remember um, the CFO letting me know, hey, Carmen, we've got to let, you know, this guy go, or we've got to let this team go. And so it was just a matter of like, hey, you guys, you know, work is done. All right, um, we'll send you your check and you'll get in the mail, you know, within the next week or two. And you can let someone go that easily. Today, I mean, it's so different today. You have to have a process and, you know, a lot of states have at-will employment whereas others don't. And so there's a lot to take into consideration. Do you have documentation to let someone go or is it for cause or no cause? Could it be considered discriminatory? I mean, there's so many things to consider now before letting someone go. Very different. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, myself included in, in some areas, we tend to shoot from the hip, Right. And I think one of, the, one of the areas that people get in trouble, and I know, gosh, when we first met, one of your first cases was helping somebody um, that I, I don't remember the exact details, but you actually rep, went and represented them in court. And it was like having to do with back pay or something. I don't, I don't remember the details. but Yes. yes. As a matter of fact, yeah, it was around uh, misclassifying a worker, classifying them as independent contractors 
but treating them as an employee. Can you briefly, talk, you know, not divulge anything, but just talk about that general mm-hmm. subject because in the entrepreneurial yeah. that you and I both operate in, I think be more than you with the clients you have, there's a lot of people that use, you know, 1099 VA subcontractors, but as they grow their business, these VAs really take on more of an employee type role and that's where people can get into trouble. Yes, that's correct. So with them, what happens is um, they're, you know, a, a relatively nice-sized company in Pasadena, California, and they had classified some of their workers or sales or outside salespeople as independent contractors. And one day uh, they decided that they needed to end the contracts for these independent contractors, and so they wrote them a termination letter, quote-unquote termination here. And so... Right. That was the first mistake. Absolutely. So one of the independent contractors goes to file for unemployment benefits. And um, when they saw the paperwork, they said, oh, but you're an independent contractor. And they said, well, I'm not sure. And so there was a discussion around that. And then it was determined that um, there were other people. So the unemployment development department, um, you know, sent out a letter to the company, did a little audit. And they determined that, hey, you guys are misclassifying your employees, and these are the ramifications. These are the um, the fees, you know, that you find yourself possibly owing. So we went through an entire audit. I helped them to find the paperwork and to put together a plan that could show that what they thought they had classified was proper, you know, and it was based on other information that they had received from EDD. At the end of the day, it looked like they were going to have um, fees, you know, upwards of $1 million. Then it went down to like 880000 And then eventually, um, you know, in the 70000 range. And at the end of the day, they walked out of there only paying about $13,000. Wow. And it was all because of the way uh, we were able to show, you know, that, um, you know, it wasn't intentional first. That's the first thing they look at. Is it intentional? But what a lot of employers uh, don't realize is that um, some big mistakes are offering your independent contractors a holiday, um, you know, offering them the ability to work from your space and to use your equipment, whether it's your computers or software um, having direct access to your clients. And so it really puts them in a predicament of, is this really an independent contractor? How much control does the employer have over the work that the independent contractor is supposed to be doing? That is one of the key things to uh, to look at and consider. That is so scary. I mean, all of a sudden you think you're just running a, a business with no employees and you got $13,000. Luckily, it's only $13,000. Um, yes, they were actually very pleased that it was only 13000 <laughs> Um You know, another thing that's coming up, um, I, I think, nationwide, and I, your expertise, I realize, is in California, but it, it seems to be a, a topical topic as well. But the sexual harassment, um, it just seems like a lot of employers are really getting into some trouble. And I don't mean like overt stuff, but you, you, you actually lead uh, – sessions i know you do some online you actually work with companies to teach about that is that right yes so sexual harassment right now um there have been some changes on you know 
the requirements for sexual harassment training, particularly in California. But I think that no matter how many employees you have on your team, um, sexual harassment happens in the workplace, whether you have, you know, two employees or 200 employees. So take precautionary action. And one of those things is to provide training to your team. And in California, we have a deadline uh, that all of the businesses must be compliant by January 1. So in essence, by December 31, all of your employees should be trained. The change that just recently occurred is that in the past, only employers with 50 or more employees had to train their staff, their supervisory staff or their management team in prevention of sexual harassment. Now, any company, um, you know, if you have an employee, you need to provide the training to them, not only to your management team, but also to your line staff or, you know, um, your non-managerial I, I think in members. that's got to be millions of people, right? Hundreds or tens of thousands of employees. Yes. Yes. And a lot of companies, a lot of small business owners are going to be the target of these audits to see if they're getting it done because they're the ones who don't have access to the resources, don't have access to the trainings. Many of them don't even know that this is a law that is impacting them and that they have to be compliant in less than six months because, you know, we're already in July. So less than six months, small businesses have to be compliant, provide the training to all of your employees. And, um, you know, the training that's necessary for supervisors differs from that of your, uh, the rest of your team. So it's a two-hour training versus a one-hour training and even the information that's provided. So, yes, that is definitely something that we offer. And um, it's something that we specialize in because this is the best way to communicate to your team what, um, what's expected of them. And it allows them to feel safe and comfortable. Um, you know, every employer should provide a place of employment that is safe from harassment and, uh, you know, that where employees feel comfortable. I see a big train wreck coming. I mean, just with the sheer volume. I know you're good, but good Lord. I mean, how many Carmen tours <laughs> are there out there that, that, that will be needed to be able to do that? Yes, definitely. Right now, I have a uh, company that I'm going to be working with and supporting them on their training. And they have employees nationwide, uh, probably in the range of about 2,000 employees. The majority of their employees are in California. So we're just going to provide the training to all of them straight across the board. And uh, luckily, you know, some of them want us to come out to their locations. They're in California. So we'll offer some on-site trainings. And then we'll also be offering some uh, webinars and um, some trainings that we're going to be able to send over or they can log in, do the training, pause if they need to, and then get back to it. But that we'll have some deadlines, you know, when the employees need to complete each of the trainings. And so it's, it's definitely an area that a lot of employers should be focusing on. And um, people like myself, you know, we're going to be super busy. Um, definitely, everyone waits till you know the last minute. So the last minute is these next four months, <laughs> and oh we're God. definitely going to be busy. 
I don't know if you think you're taking off the month of December, girl. <laughs> I think you got other plans happening there. You know, yeah, I got used to. I I started taking the month of December off, um, you know, for a few years back. But I can tell you, I have no plans this year. Um, I'll definitely be in town all of November and December. <laughs> wow. So, Carmen, one of the other things I know you do, um, and again, I think this would fall under the emerging businesses, is you help people uh, get employee handbooks. Um, so not only a good idea, but is that legally required in some states to have a handbook or not? It is not legally required, Jim. But what happens is that when you don't have something to reference and something to show that you are making decisions that are fair based on the policies that you've implemented, then um, you know it's going to be that the whoever's doing an audit or whatever department is uh, looking at you know um, a claim against you, they're going to it's going to be the employee's word over your word. And many states are looking at, um, you know, what are employees saying and is it more than one employee? And if it is, and in many cases it is, which is where class action lawsuits come from, then they're going to give the benefit of the doubt to the employee and not the employer. So employee handbooks provide you the opportunity to communicate your, pos uh, your, um, your, oh my goodness, your rules, you know, and your policies and procedures and to ensure that your management team is being fair when they are making decisions with a team member, whether it's around terminating someone or disciplining someone, or what kind of benefits are you offering it? So it's not all negative. There's also, you know, it gives the employee the opportunity to understand what benefits they're entitled to. Many companies don't share about leave of absences that an employee might be entitled to, such as pregnancy disability leave or paid family leave or family medical act. So um, this is a place where employees have access to the benefits that they are also entitled to. So it's a great reference. I know. Um, and I, you know, I, I think gone are gone are the days when that thing's printed because as soon as it's printed, it's out of date. Are, are a lot of the, <laughs> or you can, maybe you're still printing them. I don't know, but are they mostly online? Like in, in, Inter, uh, I yes, so that's right. So a lot of them are, you know, um, online or electronically provided to employees. Uh, many companies are now using systems where the employee has access electronically to look at the records and their handbook would be one of those things and any other policies or agreements um, that they've signed. So that could be filed um, and available to them. But there are many employers and, you know, which seems to be a lot of like the core of my business is a lot of employers who still work, you know, as a um, small business, mom and pop shop. And even if they have 20, 40, 60 employees, uh, many of them don't have access to computers. And so um, we do provide, it is the responsibility of the employer to ensure that the employee has received the handbook. And sometimes that means having to print it out for them. And if you're going to have a handbook and expect them to sign it and expect them to follow the guidelines, then you better give them a printed one if they don't have, um, you know, solid access to a system to review the handbook. So we're definitely still printing some of them. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet uh, some employee who says, I don't have access to a computer. When he leaves the building, he gets out his iPhone. <laughs> but anyway, I Of course. 
exactly, it's exactly what happens. But again, because we cannot expect them to use their personal cell phones, then, you know, you have to assume that as a responsibility and to do everything you can on your end to, uh, you know, to protect yourself. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you spend a couple bucks to uh, print a handbook that would that could potentially protect you from thousands of dollars in court one day? I think it's totally worth it. Yeah. So I and I know we're going paperless, right? Yeah. I but I, sometimes, if when it's necessary, I think you should definitely do it. So another area I know you have um, great expertise. And I'm wondering how often it comes up is conflict resolution, and I guess forward slash termination. So talk a little mm-hmm. bit about those and I'm wondering how if any if either of those two apply with when you're working with virtual like 1099s or is that mostly employee employee employer driven so it's mostly employee employer driven and um, what we do as it relates to conflict resolution is that when there is an issue internally, many times we discover that the issue is because of lack of communication. So we'll support the team in um, being able to resolve a conflict. Now, sometimes we find that uh, they don't have the sufficient tools and resources or they didn't get that information or the proper training. So we may need to shift it into a performance management plan where we give the employee the opportunity to improve their performance and if improvement is not seen within a specific time frame most of the time it's you know anywhere between 30 days to 90 days then you know the employee will no longer be surprised when a termination comes into place and that is one of the things that we like to focus on is that we we want our clients to be compliant. We want our clients to be able to terminate and to feel confident when they are terminating someone. If an employee is surprised when they receive their termination, then as an employer, as a manager, we have not done our job to ensure that they know where improvement is necessary. So that's definitely one place we support. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you also work with companies to help established job descriptions. Is that more of a CYA or is that also helpful to, you know, uh, so people know what to expect? It is helpful in the area because, um, again, it gives a clear list of items or responsibilities that are a clear expectation. You know, what is expected of the employee and then what is the company going to do to support that expectation? Um, So, Again, there is no law that says you have to have a job description, but the truth is whenever you go into any situation, one of the first things that comes up, even when there's a, uh, a workplace injury, they want to know what are, you know, the job duties of that uh, role. You know, how could we avoid a, an injury in the future? And so the job description is definitely something that's referenced. So I would use it more as a guide, you know, to support the role of um, that you want completed and as well as um, just to have a reference again because when you want to write someone up for or who's not performing you need to have something to reference you know where what areas are they not performing so you can reference the job description for that gotcha do you I don't know the answer to this do you help uh, employers actually find employees as 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 employee searches is that part of Do you do any of that at all? 
So we will definitely um, support our clients with employee searches. So, you know, if there's a position that they need to fill, we definitely support them in that area. And, um, you know, we'll go as far as creating a job description for them, even placing the job advertisements, um, screening the employees or the potential um, employees or candidates, and even helping them with the negotiation of an offer. Um, and then the other thing prior to that, what I always tell my clients is that make sure that you also are prepared with what kind of training are you going to provide them once you bring a new employee on because that is going to set the tone for the kind of um, stability and, um, you know, the responsibility that they're going to take on as employees when they come on board. Are you ready to receive them as a new employee? And if you're not, let's make sure that we also have the onboarding procedure in place. I'm curious about, and I guess this is mostly California, but if you work on this uh, area across the country, but compliance and audit. I mean, California is pretty, as you mentioned with the sexual harassment, they will audit your mm-hmm. find out. Is that, are, are they, I, I think the answer is yes. Is California probably the most proactive state for auditing employers, would you say or not? I would say it's definitely, um, yes, definitely one of the, you know, the states that is um, audited. Um, But I also feel that one area, you know, and it applies, you know, nationwide is going to be around I-9 documentation. How do we keep our I-9s in place? So every employer in, um, in the United States must know the proper form of documenting and of filing, you know, your I-9 forms. These forms have a lot of critical um, information about a a worker, their nationality, their date of birth, social security, and these are all things that um, could be used against an employer as uh, discriminatory if everyone has access to to it. Um, So again, employers, should know that you should be keeping those documents in a different file, away from the personnel file, away from the files that a supervisor might have access to or a clerk who's filing um, other things. So that is uh, something that no matter where you are in the state, you should be aware of, proper filing. Got just a couple minutes left here, Carmen. Um, I'm, who, who, you've been doing this for a long time. Who is like a perfect customer for you? Because I'm imagining, imagine that some of the people that are listening to this podcast are going, I'm not quite there yet. Some may go, Ooh, I might be mm-hmm. there. I don't know if I want to do that. Like, what is a good time to engage um, a company like yours? So there are two types of customers that come to us. And um, the best customers are those who are unfortunately in a situation where they've already received a claim and they're like, oh, shoot, I should have done this. If I would have done that, I would, could have avoided, you know, the place where I'm in today. So someone who's already received a filing, you know, from an employee or a former employee and who knows that they must be in compliance. They know that they are ready to make some changes Otherwise, their business is not going to succeed because they'll continue to, to receive claims. So, and the other one is um, the employer who has independent contractors and employees and um, 
who is treating an independent contractor as an employee. So if you're crossing the line between employer and employee, then you are in a position, you're in a very sensitive position where um, there could be some huge, huge fines if you don't properly classify your team. So if you're ready to move your independent contractors into employees, that is um, another uh, good source, you know, someone who's, who's ready to do that. Um, you know, I think that it doesn't matter where you are. There's always a question that a small business owner is going to have. And so even just knowing that you have someone that you can reach out to. Um, so we have packages that are going to support someone with, you know, one or two employees and up to approximately 250 employees. And so our packages are created so that we can support every employer, no matter what their size is. That's awesome. Um, what is the website and how can people connect with you if they want to uh, learn more? So you can find us at www.myhrspecialist.com. And you can also find us on Facebook under uh, My HR Specialist. Um, log in to the website so that you can download our free uh, eBooks as well, which provide really great information, especially on handbooks and independent contractors. They really are excellent eBooks. There's a lot of information in there. This isn't some one one page thing with a with a book looking cover on it. <laughs> you really give some good information. So. That, Thank you so it. much, Jim. Yeah, my pleasure, Carmen. Thanks for um, thanks for doing this, and I hope you have a great Fourth of July. <laughs> Somebody's gonna be listening. Wait, it's August, but no. Thanks for coming on. I know. And, uh, stepping in, and um, I think you're awesome. I think you do a really, really needed service, and um, I, it's it's pretty rare. I've, I've been working with somebody for like five or six years, and I have never heard one single complaint. <laughs> so I know you're doing something good out there. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. I love working with your team. And, uh, you know, this is why I'm in business, to help the small business owner. So thank you. Awesome. Okay, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Carmen Torres. She is your HR, or she could be your HR specialist. <laughs> I know she's my HR specialist, and her website is myhrspecialist.com. Uh, if you and I are only connected here in the podcast, you must fix that. Connect with me on Facebook at Build Your Dream Business Now. Um, quick link to get there, since that's a mouthful, is dreambizgroup, dreambizgroup.com. And that is it until this week. Next time, another fantastic interview. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.